Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Tuesday, November 28th edition of the Basement Academy. Uh, before we continue on with our study on the last word on witness, I think I want to read a psalm that I think helps set a little bit of backdrop and context. Psalm 58 is tricky. You know, we've, we've read this and prayed this before uh, the Basement Academy. <clears throat> it's got some kind of strong language about judgment. And it, and it helps remind us that this, that we're in a spiritual war. We pray, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Deliver us from temptation and evil, right? It's a recognition that, that we are in a battle. We often forget that. We've insulated ourselves from much of it, right? The suburban insulation from evil and all these things. And we sometimes forget this. And so Psalm 58 kind of quickens the pulse a little bit, even if it's hard to pray. And then we're going to talk about witness, being witnesses. And so Psalm 58, <clears throat> to the tune of Do Not Destroy, a Psalm of David. Do you rulers indeed speak justly? Do you judge uprightly among men? No. In your heart you devise injustice, and your hands mete out violence on the earth. Even from birth the wicked go astray. From the womb they are wayward and speak lies. Their venom is like the venom of a snake, like that of a cobra that has stopped its ears, that will not heed the tune of the charmer, however skillful the enchanter may be. Break the teeth in their mouths, O God. Tear out, O Lord, the fangs of the lions. Let them vanish like water that flows away. When they draw the bow, let their arrows be blunted. Like a slug melting away as it moves along, like a stillborn child, may they not see the sun. Before your pots can feel the heat of the thorns, whether they be green or dry, the wicked will be swept away. The righteous will be glad when they are revenged, when they bathe their feet in the, the blood of the wicked. Then men will say, surely the righteous still are rewarded. Surely there is a God who judges the earth. Amen. Lord, hear our prayer. Bring about justice in places where there is injustice. Bring your kingdom on earth as it is in, in heaven. Okay. Chapters 10 and 11 of Revelation are challenging, right? You've got these images, okay? Um, the, 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 the reality that we continue to face, you've got this angel, this mighty angel with these fiery pillar legs, one standing on the sea, one standing on the earth. Well, that's a helpful reality. We're, we're off go, what is going on there? Because we picture, we've got a Hollywood or a Hallmark card version of angels, right? We think of angels as little chubby children, you know, strumming little harps on clouds somewhere up there. No. <laughs> These are mighty angels with fiery leg pillars. And so John, in the Revelation, what God is doing, showing John, 
Pastor John so that he can write and encourage Christians who maybe are being pressed upon. They are being pressed upon by the religious establishment for years, and now the civil authorities. John himself is in prison, right? He's on the Isle of Patmos for his faith, for his witness, for the testimony of Jesus. And so, and so we've got this scroll, and then we've got this mighty angel, and we've got these two witnesses, Moses and Elijah, who can shut up the sky and make it not rain and can turn the, the water to blood, picturing the Elijah and Moses stories, portions from Elijah and Moses, representing law and prophets. And these witnesses are killed, they're humiliated, they're murdered, they're left out uh, in the street of the great city, but they rise up. After three and a half days, ah, resurrection. <laughs> Witness does not remain defeated. Witness prevails, right? And they ascend up to heaven. I want to talk about the meaning of witness. When we read about witnesses here or in Acts chapter one, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The word witness that we read in our English Bibles has the Greek word martyr behind it. You will be my martyrs in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The two martyrs. Oh, that's a different story. Witnessing is like going door to door and, you know, knocking on people's door and, would you, could I share a, a Bible track with you? Witnessing is, is when you sit on the plane and, you know, you try to turn that conversation to a spiritual thing and, are you saved, brother? We think of witnessing as something we do. Witness is something we are. And the reality behind it, the Greek word is martyr. We go, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second. It's a word that comes from the legal context. The witness, right? We call it the witness stand in a, in a courtroom. And the witness is called to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. We're going to hold you accountable in court. And if we find you lying, we're going to charge you with a crime of perjury. But there is another court. There's another bar of justice that you will have to answer to someday if you lie. And so the witnesses, the truth teller, tell the truth. That's all we ask. Just tell the truth. Tell the truth of what you saw. And so the questions are asked of the witness on the, on the witness stand and they tell the truth. And sometimes in telling the truth, they are threatened, right? We have a witness protection program, right? Because witnesses are at risk. When you tell the truth, people don't want you to tell the truth. Some people don't want you to tell the truth. And they may intimidate you. They may threaten you. They may actually harm you. And this is how the word witness, martyr, Rather, you know, coming from a truth-telling context becomes associated with death. Because to be a truth-teller in a fallen world ultimately leads to a death of sorts. A physical death, sadly, as we see here. You know, John presents the two witnesses who are killed. <clears throat> Jesus, the faithful witness, is put to death for his simply telling the truth about God, right? But often there's a social death, a, 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 a reputational cost that, that, that may be paid. And so the word witness and, and what 
John's doing here and Peterson helps us understand, right? The last word on witness. Witness is telling the truth of Jesus Christ in our lives, telling the truth in a hostile world that does not want the truth of God and the truth of Jesus Christ to be told. And so the world will try to silence, the world will try to squelch, the, the world will try to, to diminish and, and, and destroy that witness. And so we have that story here, but the witness prevails ultimately, right? And Christians need to hear that. John's uh, parishioners needed to hear this. The seven churches needed to hear it. Hang in there. Be faithful. Be faithful in your witness to the truth. Because the church, <laughs> the church is the witness. The church is the witness. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy 3.15, I believe it is. The church is the pillar and bulwark or the pillar and foundation of the truth. Our very existence on planet Earth, the church, Christians gathering, bears witness to the truth of Christ's death and resurrection. We are gathered and sustained by His Holy Spirit. Our sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, our songs, our, our sermons, our fellowship bears witness to a world around us. Our deeds of service bears witness to a God who is love and, and truth and grace. And so <clears throat> witnesses, w witness is something we are. It's not something we do. I, I, I want to keep that clear because some of us have in our background experiences, whether a college fellowship, young adult fellowship, a church tradition. Our, our Southern Baptist friends in particular are so good at this. Other traditions as well of doing witnessing following it. We have a witness committee or an evangelism committee or something like that. And so people come to the church and then some of you may have experiences of showing up at people's houses, knocking on the door. Hi, we're from such and such church. You visited uh, last Sunday. We wanted to come share with you. And, you know, and then we learn how to share the gospel. That's not a bad thing. But what can happen is we get to thinking witnessing is something we do, not something we are. God would have us understand that every waking moment, every moment of our lives, even our sleeping moments, I guess, we are witnesses. We are martyrs. We are his martyrs. We, we, we are joined with Jesus Christ in baptism in his death. Okay, there's the, 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 the death we, we share with Christ in his death. We go under the waters and we rise in newness of life. The witnesses die, the witnesses rise, right? The martyrs die and, and rise again. And so our attitudes, how we conduct ourselves at work and in the community, at the, at the store, with our neighbors, not just when we go to church, not just when we go to church. Um, came across something the other day. Uh, this is, if I can read, can read out, Jeff Poor. This is the Clergy Coaching Network, a little, little thing that popped up in my Facebook feed. The church is like a gym. It exists to train, equip, and challenge the body of Christ to live in light of the gospel. But many treat the church like a restaurant that exists to feed and serve the regular patrons. That's a massive disconnect. So when we gather on Sunday mornings, you're not coming to get a nice 
You're not to be well-fed. A beautiful sermon and beautiful songs and hymns and some light, nice fellowship. We think we're trying to train and equip you to bear witness, right? <laughs> In your life, because you go places and know people that I can never go and, and, and I don't know those people. So I'm trying to train you, equip you, strengthen you, help you to be faithful, to bear witness to Jesus Christ wherever you are. We talk about the Basement Academies being a gymnasium of the soul where you come and we're going to wrestle with some thoughts. We're going to wrestle with the culture. We're going to wrestle with the scripture and how it intersects in our own lives. And hopefully we are changed into more faithful followers of Jesus who pick up our cross. The cross, by the way, is an instrument of death, right? And so witnessing, we are the martyrs of God. We're willing to bear the cost. And so this bittersweet truth of the gospel is that he calls us into such a life, a life where we die to ourselves that we might live to him, which may change some of our goals, right? I just want to make a bunch of money and I want to retire early and I want to travel the world and I want to have a bunch of fun. And yeah, I want to go to heaven too. So I'm going to get my heaven ticket. I'm going to accept Jesus, but I want to basically live my life the way I want to live my life. No, the gospel uh, calls us into a new life where we don't follow our own, but we follow what God would have for us. Now, he places us in vocations and in neighborhoods with families, and, and he does bless us with wealth, but we use that wealth, right, to advance the kingdom. And, and, and we're living for another world, not for this world, but for a world that is to come. And so, but there's a bittersweet truth of the gospel. This is the, the image of the scroll that is eaten in chapter 10 of Revelation. It tastes sweet like honey in the mouth, but it turned my stomach sour. The gospel calls me to repent. The gospel calls me to new attitudes. The gospel calls me to forsake, you know, the language that I may, you know, I, I, I might have had language when I, I did have language when I was younger and, and not a, a Christian and playing sports in college. And let's just say my mouth was not always filled with church words. <laughs> we'll say it that way. And so, uh, you know, part of the sour, it's sweet. I love being saved. I love knowing the Lord. I love knowing heaven is secure, but I've got to change my life. But then there's a bittersweet truth of the gospel there are people who reject the gospel, people I know and love and respect and care for who may reject Jesus Christ. And that's where that Psalm 58 comes in. There are people who defy, actually reject and defy the gospel, who wish to see the church suffer harm and wish to maybe even see you and me suffer harm. And that brings us back to the martyr reality. The bittersweet truth of the gospel is though we live, you know, we we may face a, a death on this earth. Again, not a physical death for our faith. Some may, but unlikely that anybody listening to the Basement Academy is going to be put to death for your faith. But you may suffer loss of advancement in your career, loss of job opportunities. You could lose your job, possibly, because of your faith. You could be accused of creating a hostile workspace somehow. And so the reputational cost that, that we may that we may experience. And so just want to finish with this the, the, the challenge and responsibility of being witnesses. It is an honor to be witnesses, right? To be Christians, to be a follower of Jesus. It is a great honor, but that honor carries with it responsibility. 
And the responsibility brings with it challenge. It's hard because the world would intimidate us. That word intimidate, in, to put in timidity. To be intimidated is to be made timid. To, I'm a little gun shy. I, I, I'm not sure I want to share my faith. You know, I don't want to offend anybody. Let's just live and let live. Let's, you know, hey, religious freedom. I don't want to, you know. Part of it is we misunderstand what we're called to do. <clears throat> we are never called to go point the finger and accuse the world. To bear witness, to tell the truth is get on that witness stand and tell the truth of what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. I was once blind, but now I see. John chapter nine, right? The, the man born blind. But we see the intimidation take place. Jesus heals the man. His eyes are now open. And he's trying to find Jesus to thank him, right? Because Jesus, you know, gets away. And all of a sudden people are all, uh, you know, wow, what happened? And the religious leaders are saying, how's this man born blind? Who, who's, who, 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 where are his parents? Where, come on, get, get his parents here. Tell, tell us the story of this guy. And the parents are intimidated. They don't want to answer. He's of age. Let him answer for himself because they are threatened with being put out of the synagogue. They're threatened with being kicked out. If, if you tell the truth about Jesus, people may kick you out of the circle you're in, social circle, a vocational circle, whatever. And so intimidation is a reality and we have to confront that. And that's our willingness to die I will not be intimidated. I will speak of what God has done for me in Jesus Christ. If you wish not to hear that, if you wish not to, to participate in that, that's on you and you're going to have to answer for that someday. But my job is not to accuse and to judge and to, and to send that person to hell. You're going to hell. That is not my business. My business is to say, I was blind. Now I see. And I can tell you how I came to see. It was through Jesus Christ. And so we have to confront intimidation. Many of us feel guilty and feel shameful that we don't share our faith more often. Let me encourage you to do so. But you're not trying to, you're not trying to accuse that person. You're trying to tell people what God has done for you. Now, let me recommend, it's in our archives, uh, going, it's probably stretching back about a year and a half now, Unlearning Evangelism. That's one of our Basement Academy series. It probably went four or five weeks. Unlearning Evangelism. We have to unlearn what evangelism is because most of us have learned evangelism is being pushy. It's being bossy. It's, 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 it's coming at people with the gospel. It's sitting down on the airplane and it's all of a sudden trying to turn that to a religious conversation and kind of making people uncomfortable. That's what evangelism is. No, no, no. <laughs> And so many of us don't share our faith regularly. We don't say what Jesus has done for us because of the way the world is shaped and because somehow we don't want to put people on the spot. You know, putting people on the spot, you're telling what God has done for you because we know there is a cost and a price to pay. So we've talked enough about that. Let, let, me, let me close here. Winning yourself to Christ. Uh, let me give a shout out to my good friend, Andy Davidson. I've known Andy for good grief now, probably four decades. Faithful follower of Jesus who was involved in a, a, a community uh, of faith uh, some years ago who, that challenged its members to win yourself first to Christ. Win yourself to Christ. 
You know, we talk about winning others to Christ. We got to start with ourselves. I need my whole body, my whole mind, my whole, all my time and my money and my attitude and my speech and my behavior, how I am and who I am to be brought under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so First uh, Peter chapter 3, and, and we go into this in depth in the Unlearning Evangelism series, but First Peter chapter 3, Peter writing to the church who is being persecuted, okay? First Peter 3, 15, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. That's the win yourself to Christ. Set Christ as Lord of your life. Bring all of you completely under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Nothing is outside of not just your one hour on Sunday morning, but your whole life is one and bows the knee to Jesus as Lord. So in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Win yourself. Then always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. Win yourself to Christ and people are going to notice something. They're going to notice something about you. You're different. The way you speak, the way you act, the things you don't speak. You, you, you don't swear. You don't tell funny jokes. You don't criticize people. You don't gossip. You do defend the person who's not, you know... You know, Bob's not here. Let's, let's, I'm a little uncomfortable talking about Bob if he's not here. People will notice that stuff, <laughs> right? So always be prepared. So once they notice, they're going to, hey, what's different about you? You have a peace, you have a, you know, they won't always ask you that question, but it's learning to listen for the questions that they do ask. And then give an answer. Tell people why you have hope. Tell people where you find your peace, where you find your comfort. Well, this may sound strange, but I, I, I became a Christian a number of years ago, which I know that sounds kind of crazy in this day and age, but I read the Bible and, 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 and really wrestled for the first time ever with the, the teachings of Jesus. And I, I found that what we hear much in our society is not at all who Jesus is. And I, I just, I found myself surrendering to Jesus. And, and that, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but, but that's how it is. You have given an answer for the reason for the hope you have. You're not telling nothing. You're not telling that person he's got to do anything, but you're inviting that person to, what, what, what do you mean everything I hear out in the world is not everything that is true about Jesus? So there, there's something else because everybody knows what Christians are because we know they're kind of religious and political fanatics, right? No. That is not the truth of Jesus. The world does not know who Jesus is. And, and so always be ready to give an answer for the hope you have. And then finally do this with gentleness and respect. To be a witness is not to be rude. Love is not rude, right? So do this with gentleness and respect. We respect that person, has their own mind, their own conscience, their own will, and their own responsibility before God. And so... Let me close with that as we, the last word on witness. Witness prevails, right? It is, the world will never defeat the witness of the church, right? The gates of hell will not prevail against this church, friends. And, and fiery angels, with not little cherubs who are, who are, who are you know, in, involved in the action. It is fiery pillar-legged angels. <laughs> yeah, and there's a scroll that, that, that is challenging, a, a, a bittersweet truth to the gospel. It calls me to die to myself, calls me to live to Christ in it. 
It calls me then to bear witness, to be a martyr, a willingness to be a martyr. But let's win ourselves and let's bear witness. Let's tell the truth of the hope we have and let's be as gentle and respectful as we can and let's let God take care of the rest, okay? Amen, let's pray. Lord, be pleased to take these words and make something in our lives and through your church at Greenwich and your church worldwide that we might win others by the power of your Holy Spirit, not by the cleverness of our words, but by the faithfulness of our witness. And so help my sisters and brothers and myself as we listen to be willing to die to self and be willing to suffer what reputational price or cost. But Lord, help us to be faithful to Jesus the Lord, in whose name we pray and who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God strengthen you through the power of his Holy Spirit to be his faithful witness in your home and neighborhood and place of work and school and in the community. May you do it this day and forevermore. Amen.